You know, I preached in the early service, and I got several comments on, they said how good it was, which I knew right then something was up. I had not turned on my microphone, so uh, they didn't hear any. No, they heard. I stood at the pulpit the whole time, but I'm on, Chris. I'm looking, I'm not looking good. I'm sounding good. Good, good. Thank you for being here today. We look forward to sharing a few moments together. We're in a study in Mark, and uh, and uh, so... Chris asked a few weeks ago would I be willing to share today. He's with family, and, you know, sometimes when you're with a family the whole week, but if you're supposed to preach Sunday, you spend your whole week studying. So I'm delighted that he took some time with his family this week, and I'm sure he's still studying, but not quite to the level of that he might otherwise. And so uh, he said, would you mind preaching in the series? And so we're in Mark 9 today, uh, chapter 9, verse 14. But I was wishing that very next Sunday that I'd gotten that scripture where Jesus spit on the ground. I think I really could have made some some mud with that one. That would have been right up my alley. But this one is not quite, uh, I mean, it's exciting, but uh, it's very exciting. But there's no spitting in the mud, making mud. So uh, I'm looking forward to sharing a few moments together with you and anticipating uh, that God will speak through me. I always have to pray to get out of, please get out of my way. I'm not an overly confident Speaker, but once I get up behind the microphone, I could go without saying anything important for a long time. So I'm hoping to say something worthwhile. Have you ever, I know you have, but I'll remind you of times that you've had a mountaintop type experience, maybe a great vacation that's just been the best of the best and, and, uh, you have to return home. Some people begin to think about returning home midway through the vacation, dreading it already. I hate, oh, we're having to leave Saturday night or Sunday night or we're leaving Friday, and they begin to think about it, and it kind of puts a damper on the vacation. But it can end up being a great vacation. Sometimes you have a fantastic mountaintop experience on a on a mission trip, like our Billiter Christ got, just got back. It's really a, a eye-opening, uh, energizing sort of feeling. I remember I see TD over there with centrifuge, those sort of coming back from camps, kind of mountaintop experiences. But we know we had to come back into real life, real reality. And today is a reality check reminder of that. You really are brought to reality when you're coming back from the beach and you get on that I-65 anywhere between Montgomery and here and you realize, oh my, you may, it may be worse than reality. And uh, you're looking for any kind of way to get over on 31 or any other way. You'll drive 100 miles out of the way to get out of that traffic. You're brought back to reality sometimes that the golden glow of the beach or lake turns into the red hot sunburn or you spent more money or more time than you thought. A lot of those things and it really brings us back uh, to a reality, to a reality check. Today's a reality check uh, in the scripture and and not necessarily in the way you might think, but I hope in a way that will be encouraging to us. What I'd like for us to do is think about this. Several of the disciples had just been up on the mount with Jesus and had the, the transfiguration. It had to be been a mountaintop experience. It had to be something that they obviously would never, ever forget. And we're still talking about They had to be talking about that. And then, but they come off the mountain... And this is where we are today in Mark 9, 14 through 29. And I want to read through it, and then I want us to walk through it. So if you want to follow along, look in your Bible, chapter 9, verses 14 and following. It says this, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to meet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. 
And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, Jesus' response. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring that boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. Uh, He fell to the ground and rolled around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the boy's father answered, from childhood. It has thrown him into the fire or to water to try to kill him. And if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, take pity on us and try to help us. Jesus responds, if you can... Now, I'm not sure how Jesus responded that, if that was that inflection of his voice, but that's the way it looks. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Again, that kind of seems a little odd, but we'll walk through that in a second. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and dumb spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. Now, I kind of think Jesus really thundered that one you deaf and dumb spirit now i don't know he could have just said you deaf and dumb spirit." and anyway it was with great power great great power i command you come out of him and never enter him again the spirit shrieked convulsed him violently and came out the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead but jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up and after jesus had gone indoors his disciples asked him privately Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Let's pray together just for a second. Father, we pray for your power today, power that's beyond ours, an understanding that's beyond ours. And we know you go in places that we never dreamed we'd get ourselves into, but you're there. Your Holy Spirit's there, and the presence of that Spirit is real to us. We thank you for salvation in Jesus, and we thank you for God the Father. So, Father, I pray that you'll bless our few moments together today as we look in your word. Uh, Use the words said and the thoughts uh, processed and the actions to make our lives different for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the mountaintop experience, they're now in the middle of a mess. It's now a mess. You can imagine, if you will, they've now returned to to the bottom of the hill there. And and, uh, there's argument. The religious leaders are there, the keepers of the tradition, the theologians, the scribes, and the disciples Several, I'm sure, are accusing Jesus, has been their practice, accused Jesus of something. I'm sure the disciples are trying to defend Jesus in any way possible, but they're not doing a very good job of it. I'm sure it's an absolute mess, and, and I, I could imagine there's finger pointing, uh, there's a, some shouting, some back and forth among, and I bet the disciples probably look and feel weak and defensive, like they're not sure they're going to get through this. And I suspect they were delighted and anxious when Jesus uh, came back into the crowd. And uh, so in the midst of this, and suddenly from the back of a crowd, a man comes forward, walks right through the crowd, right up to Jesus. He had seen Jesus. And uh, And he hears Jesus say, what are you arguing about? And then there's silence for just a moment. Just a moment as the religious leaders glare at Jesus and the disciples look, I'm sure, at each other and wonder, uh, what's going for? What's going on? And that man comes forward, and his shoulders are—I suspect—drooped. I suspect he feels defeated. Uh, I suspect that he senses that uh, he'd already 
brought his son to the disciples and nothing happened. It, had, it was not a good day. He was legitimately in the, in the valley of his life, I suspect. And so this is what he said in verse 17. Teacher, I brought you my son who possessed by the, who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it sees him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive him out, but they could not. They could not. You know, the, the voice, the, the comment there is a little bit of uh, an accusation and a little bit of a pleading, I would think. And we use that sometimes. We use that with our children sometimes. Uh, would you please clean your room? And both your room is filthy. And would you please clean it? And uh, sometimes we, you've heard of backhanded compliments and all those sorts of things. And the way you say it really matters. And, and so uh, that, that man has, I, I sense a little bit of accusation in that. We brought him and you, you guys couldn't do anything about it. Your guys couldn't do anything about it. And he says you. Jesus had not tried yet. But he said, in essence, your guys couldn't do anything about it. It, it reminded me. You know, a lot of things remind me of things that really uh, may or may not matter, but I'm saying it anyway. Before Suzanne and I dated, and it's, it's been best for our relationship that I not date since we've been married, and that's worked out real well. But before we got married, I dated. And I know that's scary for a lot of you that thought that's even a possibility. I didn't date a lot, surprisingly. And, um, but I was with a girl, and I suspect her mom was like my mom. Try to find something nice to say. Just please, please find something nice to say. And, and uh, so uh, it, it, the date was not going that well. It was awkward and uh, just awkward. And so, she, you know, we're trying to try, strike up conversation, find some common ground. And finally she looks at me and she says, you know, you sweat less than any fat guy I've ever been around. <laughs> now, that didn't really happen, but boy, is that a good story? <laughs> a backhanded compliment finding some way to get a point across with, without being, you know, too terrible. She's, and I think that probably, I don't know, at least part of that was true. <laughs> you sweat less than any fat guy. Sometimes we use our, our words in good ways and sometimes in bad ways. Uh, so this man says, I told your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. I suspect the theologians were just what, yep, here it is. We finally found something Jesus couldn't do. His guys couldn't do it. I bet he can't do it. I suspect the, the disciples were red-faced, embarrassed, a little concerned about what had happened because they had been told. It's already recorded in Mark 3 that they have the authority to drive out demons. It's already recorded. They've been told you have this authority. And when they tried, they couldn't. They didn't. More on that a little bit later. So the mountaintop experience and glory is now in the valley of defeat it's a mess the first reality here is the reality is that jesus is with us in good times and bad times jesus is with us in good times and bad times you can count on that reality in good times and bad times jesus is with us mark hall is the lead singer for casting crowns and a, a young lady a little Erin browning had particularly loved a lot of their music and had taken one of their songs and had choreographed some movements to it and and uh, Mark had heard of that and, and actually had gotten to meet Aaron but Aaron fell sick and, and cancer was uh, taking its toll on her and she really was at the end of her life and uh, Mark had tried to get back to her and did not get back to her but little Aaron 
uh, passed away. Prior to her passing, though, she was a strong Christian, loved Christ, and she just told her mom and others, she said, just do this, just stand on the Word and read Scripture. Her mom took her literally, put a Bible down and stood on in that little hospital room and read Scripture to her. Her friends did that. They read Scripture and they read Scripture. Just stand on the Word. Little Aaron's battle with cancer, she did not win that earthly battle, but there were heavenly rewards when she passed. But Mark was so moved by that story when the mother got to him to tell him what had happened. And he wrote a song. He and Bernie Herms wrote a song that we're familiar with. We've heard it here in our sanctuary many times. It's I'll Praise You in the Storm. And the lyrics go like this. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped away our tears. You'd have stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I'll praise you in this storm. I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand and never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. God is with us in good times and bad times. Be reminded of that today. That is a truth, a reality that God is with us. I have a dear friend that lost a, a college-age son this just a few weeks ago in a, in a hiking accident. And he posted on Facebook a scripture, Psalm 62, 1 and 2. And what a powerful scripture for all of us to claim. It says this, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now let's admit it. We are shaken at times, but our God is not shaken. Our God is not shaken by the circumstances of our life. He is with us in good times and bad. So finally, Jesus breaks the silence. And he comes back saying, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall, you put up, uh, shall I put up with you? Bring that boy to me. It doesn't take long. The boy uh, is uh, disheveled and he's dirty. He's nasty. He's been rolling in the dirt already. And uh, he's not quite a man, he's, uh, but not quite a boy. He's somewhere in between, I believe. And, and so he allows himself to be led to Jesus. And in the moment that the, that the impure spirit senses he's nearing Jesus, he, uh, he, I guess, engulfs the boy again and and uh, the boy is, is, turns rigid and falls to the ground and is twitching and foaming at the mouth. And, and the scripture doesn't say this, but I, I get a feel about this, that, that perhaps at that moment there are some moving in close to look, but most are backing up. What's going to happen? Most are backing out a little bit. Uh, and uh, you, you know there are, there are some who run into disasters and some who run out, and all of us are you know kind of have a disposition in one way or another. I know we have first responders in our church, and and others, and law enforcement officers, and firemen, and uh, doctors, and nurses, and others who are responders, they run in. They run in when disaster uh, breaks out, and many of us back up and run out. I want you to know this. The reality is that Jesus runs in when others are running out. That's the second reality today, that Jesus runs in when others are running out. Uh, he moves in when there's no one else there. When there's no one else to call on, Jesus is running in. Know that in your life. That's a reality. I recently saw the movie Hacksaw Ridge 
and uh, a movie about Desmond Doss. He's a Seventh-day Adventist. He was a conscientious objector in World War II, and uh, he refused to carry a firearm into battle. And uh, uh, he was assigned to the 7th, 7th, 77th Infantry Division, and they were in quite a battle in the Battle of Okinawa. And uh, uh, his division, his fellow uh, soldiers took quite a devastating day. In the movie, I think it was a day. In real life, I think it was several days. And, and, uh, but they were forced to retreat, to move off that hillside and actually repel down a fairly steep cliff and, and multitudes of, of injured and dying and, and dead soldiers on both sides lay in the, lay in the battlefield. Desmond Doss stayed on the battlefield overnight when everyone else backed out. He stayed on the field and, and one by one went to as many soldiers as possible. And those that were left for dead, he drug them and uh, drug them to the edge of that cliff, tied them, tied them off and dropped them to where there were people down there that took them to the field hospital, one after another, after another, after another, after another, dozens, maybe scores of injured men uh, and of both of the U.S. and, and some Japanese soldiers and brought them to, uh, brought them to safety and, and recovered. Many of them recovered. Desmond uh, Doss was one that uh, we would call a rescuer. Runs in when others are running out. Jesus is a rescuer. And in fact, in that movie, Desmond Doss is a savior-type character. He, he, he runs in when no one else is there. No one else get, thinks there's a chance. Desmond Doss thought there was a chance for those guys and saved many of their lives. Jesus is a rescuer like that. When we think there's no chance, Jesus runs in. Know that. Know that Jesus runs in. So Jesus asked the Father, how long has he been like this? And the father says, since childhood. So you, you could imagine the father's face at this point, the fact that Jesus is showing some interest. The father's face has probably now turned from anger to really, I mean, maybe desperation. I know he's tired. He's exhausted. And uh, trying to manage a child like this or a young boy like this. And he goes on and says he's thrown him into fire, into water. This evil spirit's tried to kill him. And then he says, if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything. Well, I assure you, Jesus can do something. But this man wasn't sure of it at that point. So Jesus responds to the man and says, if you can. Jesus repeats it back to him. If you can. And I don't know if he said it like that, but that's the way I'm saying it. If you can. Jesus says, everything is possible for him who believes. The reality is that Jesus is able to do for us uh, what we cannot do for, our, for ourselves. Jesus is able to do for us what we cannot do do for ourselves so when the man says if you can Jesus no question about it. if I can I am able and willing I am able and willing Jesus is the reality is that Jesus is able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves I have to be careful with these blanks you know the last time I preached I made every blank the same word it was hope <laughs> that really it's calmed my fears just a little bit <laughs> if I don't get a blank you see me have service I'll fill it in for you uh so Jesus says, if you can, of course I can. He says, and the man says, uh, I do believe, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now that's the, those things, that doesn't that really add up. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That very statement makes me think this is more of a doubt situation. It's, it's, it's not a, uh, that a unbelief, it's a doubt. Because we know Thomas doubted and he was brought to belief. When, when someone doubts, they don't quite have enough information yet. 
or they haven't quite trusted yet. They're not quite there yet. Jesus says that I can overcome. You can overcome doubt. Doubt says I can't believe. Unbelief says I won't believe. I won't believe. And uh, so I believe this man was dealing with some doubt. Because he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my doubt. So Jesus uh, commanded the spirit to come out, as I said a while ago. I think it was a pretty strong command. Come out. And he came out. And uh, I, could suspect, I suspect that the, the sound split the, the air like lightning and like thunder. And, and the, the heaves of the boy became violent. And he was thrown to the ground. And, and uh, the shriek was probably so shrill that the people covered their ears. And it was a horrible sound, a horrible scene. And uh, then it was over. And they looked at the poor boy down there, and he, he looked dead. He said, he looked like a corpse. He looked dead. And, and uh, uh, but the boy opened his eyes, and, and uh, instead of a vacant kind of stare this time, I suspect there was a stare with a little bit of life in it. There was a look with life, and some of the first things he sees is Jesus. Or he sees Jesus. And um, Jesus reaches over, takes his hand, the boy stands. And uh, know this. The reality is that Jesus is able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Now, the story doesn't end there. It ends on kind of a note. The disciples just have to get some clarity. And it wasn't right away. It says a little while later when they'd gone inside. And the disciples say, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus said, uh, this kind can come out only by prayer. What I want to say to us today, dads, it's Father's Day. Moms, all of us, grandmamas, aunts, uncles, don't ever give up on a kid. Don't ever give up on a parent. Don't ever give up on a spouse. There's a time, there's a chance, there's an opportunity. Our, our God does the impossible. And I, we've known parents who've prayed for their kids 20, 30, 40 years. I know some in this room have and are. Don't ever give up on them. Continue to pray for them. They're not kids forever. They become adults. And don't give up on kids uh, uh, young adults, don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your parents, your brothers and sisters. Don't give up on them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Love them. Do not give up on them. I would strongly encourage you not to give up on them. I don't know what happened that day. I don't know if the disciples were overconfident, if they were underconfident. I don't know if everything had worked well for a while and now it's falling apart. I have no clue exactly what happened. Uh, I, I'm just not real sure exactly what happened, but I do know this. It brings us to the fourth reality, is that Jesus is not finished with us yet. We're a work in progress. We're not a done deal. He continues to work on us. And those disciples, those closest to Jesus, he was not finished with them yet. They, even though they had the authority, they were not ready for everything. Is that not like us? We're not ready for everything. We can't handle everything. Jesus is not finished with us yet. I love the old song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him seven days to make the moon and stars and, blah, 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 and Jupiter and Mars. I know there's other words in there. I just don't know them. But he's still working on me. He is. He's not done with us. You know how you know it? <laughs> you woke up today. <laughs> you woke up. He's not done. He's still got work to do on you. Uh, so I want you to know that when disappointment and heartache comes and when things uh, don't go exactly like you thought they might, God's not done with you. He's not finished. Some of you today, I, I jotted down a few things. You may be disappointed. Uh, in fact, that's the real story of this story to me. The miracle is obviously a miracle and unbelievable. 
But the disappointment there. Think about it. The boy's father was disappointed with Jesus. Jesus was disappointed with his disciples. The disciples, I think, were disappointed with themselves. So they faced some disappointment, some difficult days, some difficult thoughts. Perhaps you're there today. Perhaps your career, not all you thought it was going to be. Perhaps students, your grades, they're not all you thought it could be. Uh, your spouse, your relationship, your marriage, your parents, your children, your life in general, your hopes, your dreams, even your faith may not be all you thought it could be. Maybe it's not turned out like you envisioned. Uh, some people said, you know, this Christian thing just isn't working for me. We've known people like that. You have. that have fallen so, so far by the wayside that once were so red hot for Christ and have fallen by the wayside. It just wasn't working for them. And they were in a point of disappointment. We've known people that have been disappointed by the church. We've disappointed people. We have disappointed people. Uh, God's people have failed each other and other people. We have failed others. And uh, so it really is a time for a reality check for us all. And that brings us down to what I think are the two major points today, two reality checks. Firstly, our disappointment does not negate God's power. Our disappointment does not negate God's power. God is all-powerful. He can do it no matter what we are disappointed about. He moves right through. Uh, it's important for us to realize the failure of God's people is not God's failure. We are fallible. He is infallible. He is perfect. We are not. We will fail each other. We will be short-tempered. We'll be short-sighted. We'll be all sorts of things. But it doesn't mean God is. God our disappointment does not negate God's great, great power. Think about this, Dad. Day after day, week after week, month after month, and what has become year after year. Saw this. What a disappointment. What a heartache. I, l- let me remind you that some of you have been in that very same boat. Some of us have walked day after day, week after week, month after month with, uh, with children. Some of you have sat on, on a sick bed or even a deathbed of a child. Some of you have sat with parents and siblings and uh, spouses. Some of you have gone long, long times and sensed that, uh, that things are difficult. Some of you have waited up for a wayward teenager uh, and waited long times, not just up for weeks and months at times. And there's a little bit of fear of if they come home and a little bit of fear if they don't. Either way, it's a fearful situation. Uh, sometimes we each have tasted a bitter cup of desperation and doubt. All those things have slipped in. But know this, just like the Father, if you can do anything, will you help us? Can you help us? And Jesus answered, yes. He answered yes. He says, I will. I will. And he says, help my son. Jesus saw that the real challenge there that day was not the miracle of the boy. It was the miracle of the dad. The dad's disbelief had eternal ramifications. It was eternity in the wait that's there. And he said, you have, to, you have to work through this. You have, to, you have to have your belief that I can do something about this. So the dad, you would think that, well, if you take care of the son, the dad will take care of himself. Physician Jesus didn't see it that way. He needed to take care of the dad first and then the son. He said, I can do this. That brings me to reality check number two. Reality check one, our disappointment does not negate God's power. Reality check two, our doubt does not diminish God's potential. Our doubt. And you remember what I said about the doubt? I don't think it was an unbelief. I think it had been crowded. His faith had been crowded by the circumstances of life. 
There wasn't room for all that. You know, right, life has a way of pulling the rug out from under you. You didn't even know you were on a rug. Uh, there's a way of people that you think can help you that won't. There, there's things that you think will go a certain way and they don't. They don't. They really don't. And our doubt does not diminish God's potential. It is everything is possible for him who believes. So it's Father's Day. Today's the day that we celebrate fathers. It's a day, dads, I want to encourage you. And I want to admonish you and me at the same time. It's a possibility that I've done so many good things. That we've done so many good things that we've let some of the best things slip. You know, the best thing we can do for our children, for our spouse, for our grandchildren, is have a clear connection with God the Father through Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the best thing we could do. If, if we've got things crowding out in there, then we have a, we have a sense of unbelief. Have we handled things so many times on our own that there's no room for God to do something? You know, my dad, my dad was an unbelievable... He's still alive. He's not here, is he? No. My dad was an unbelievable failure in business. An unbelievable... Well, not... He's a believable failure. Some of us all have failed a variety of things. Uh, he was a great salesman. He is a great salesman. I think he still could sell at 86. He could sell anything. But he thought he might want to manage a store. Couldn't manage a store. We had a financial disaster in our home. It's a big part of who I am. A financial disaster. We lost, uh, I was a kid, I was a middle schooler. Lost a business, lost our home, lost everything. Filed for bankruptcy. I didn't know any of the, I didn't know how that all worked. I know we moved from a pretty big house in one town to a pretty small rental house in another town. But my dad came before us, our family, and says, I have failed, 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 and I'm sorry. And he says, he didn't talk about the business. He talked about, I've failed you because I've let Christ get weeded out, pushed away. I was so busy trying to work, I let Christ get squeezed out of our life. Never again will it happen. That's what he told us. And it didn't. It didn't. We changed everything about our life. In a new city, a new place, uh, we, we all had faith in Christ, but we were not living for Christ. And I was 15, I had a sister 13, one was 11. It made a difference in our life forever. My dad really is a hero because he was failure, really willing to say, I have failed you all because I have failed in my relationship. Dads, can I encourage you to be a little bit transparent before your family? Can I encourage you to, to keep the important things important? I would hope that we could do that. Moms, can I encourage you to do the same thing? People, could I encourage you to do the same thing? Could we keep our relationship with Christ real? Could we move into a reality check of the two things that we said here today? That would be great. That would be awesome. Let me encourage you in the final way, this way. May today be the day that we recommit ourselves to be believers. Today is the day that we recommit ourselves to be believers. Secondly, today is the day that we remove some of the things that have crowded out our faith. That we remove some of the things that have crowded out our faith. And thirdly, that we remind ourselves that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. May today be that day that we remind ourselves that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That would make a difference, wouldn't it? Would that not be the best father to stay ever? Would that not be the best thing that could happen to us? Would that not be something that that boy and that dad could shout together? Let me tell you this. I'm a half-full guy. I choose to see things on the positive side. I try not to have too many negative things in my life. And I know we live in a real world and it's a real reality. And sometimes it's ugly. And I don't want to know all about it. But I'm a half-full guy. My cup, I think in terms of half full. Even when it's half full, I'm, I'm thinking it may be three quarters. And uh, so I'm pushing that envelope a little bit. And I know some are half empty. And I know in reality, 
It's the same amount in both of those cups, okay? I know that. I know that. But let me tell you this today. Today's message is a little bit of a half-empty sort of message if you're not careful. But I want it to be a half-full message. In fact, I want it beyond that. Know this. The cup can always be refilled. God is in the business of refilling your cup no matter where it is. If you think you're almost empty, God still refills cups. He still refills cups. So don't go through life thinking I'm only half full or I'm half empty or whatever. God still refills cups. Know that God still refills cups. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for just our few moments here today. What a privilege it is to hear from you, from your word. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity to worship together. I pray today that we might be reminded of that our doubts and our disappointments don't change who you are. You are a strong and mighty God. And uh, even our failures don't, don't uh, reflect on you. They reflect on us. So, Father, today I pray that we're reminded that uh, you're still in the cup-filling business. And just like the woman at the well and says, fill my cup, Lord, fill it up. And, Father, today I pray that you'll do that for us and that uh, you'll, you'll move us forward in our relationship with you through Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. So, Father, we'll trust you in that to this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.